We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water. Now, several years ago, I was asked if I'd like to have my own radio talk show because I had been in business around the country and the world and in the humanitarian concerns of water and the technology of what water is doing for our planet Earth. And I said, I would like to have my own show, but I'm calling it The Power of Water. Did you know that three billion years ago, life began in water? We exist with water. Now, what is happening uh, around the world? Have you been hearing about water? Have you been hearing about politics? Have you been hearing about oil? Have you been hearing about money? But which one needs to be here the longest? The water. Did you know that we have 6,000 children dying a day because they don't have water? When was the war caused to help those children? What was happening? What's going on out there? The oil companies have been telling me what they've been doing to help those children to go in and dig free wells around the world in countries that are not putting their money toward their children, the life that is being lost. Those women that are carrying the water, they get up every morning at dawn, barely at dawn, and carry the big containers of water to bring back to from miles or a mile away to bring life resource, life to their home. Water. You've been hearing about it. It's been going on for a long time. I remember listening to the CEO of Cisco, and she said the water, her mother would get up every morning in India and carry the water to their home, which was out in the backyard area. So just stop to think about who we are and what we are doing together on this planet Earth. It's been here a long time. We're not new at this, but we're learning. And do we think we can learn enough? But when you are born... From a pocket of water in your from your mother, and you entered into that air you breathe. The air you're living in must have water. You should be drinking eight to ten glasses of water a day. You have fifty trillion cells. We had a very special guest on here one time out of Switzerland, Doctor Kurtwith, and he said that the water that we're living in in the cell, he got a Nobel Prize to prove it's there. Now, isn't that interesting? To, to, to go on 20, he had to study 20 years 
over 25 doctors, multi-millions later, to prove that we're living in the water in our bodies. When you entered in the air you breathed, that moment of birth, you needed to begin a lifestyle that the water is the primary focus of all your life. And it's not just in the shower. It's not just flushing the toilet and, of course, washing your hands, your laundry. It's the water that you're living in in the air you're breathing. It's the humidity of fresh, clean water. And when you're walking around every day, remember, if you don't have fresh water on the earth and you're not worried about the fresh water that's coming from state to state to country to country and our continents, we're not going to be here in long term. And maybe it's like our deficit. We're not thinking about here in America that a several trillion dollar deficit with the population we have could think about how to solve the future when water is the number one priority and we're not thinking about being proactive with that right now either. But remember, we're not alone. The planet is, you don't hear about it that often. So that's why we decided to have a show dedicated to the water. Now, today I'm having a dedication to the heroes of our life uh, from America and all over the world. We just had a passing in our country company, Dave Naylor, who was one of the founders of Aransco. Dave Naylor passed away a week ago today, only 56 years old. Dave was a patriotic person. He has been on every military base all over this country. He was the founder of Aramsco. And Aramsco in New Jersey was the company that would arrive in case of hurricane, uh, the tornado, the uh, earthquake. And when 9-11 happened, guess he lived in New Jersey. Guess who got across the bridge first with his free masks? Dave Naylor, the Patriot, gave away for free thousands of masks when the Twin Towers came down. Dave Naylor was always there to help. Dave Naylor is a Patriot. We are going to be studying today talking about and learning more about the patriotism of our lives. Uh, not only not in America, but here on the planet. It's a planet together. We're always together. Now, our special guest today is Stuart Buddy Orr and his wife, Fran Orr. Twenty, Buddy spent 20 years managing several aerospace and defense and, uh, office locations and government affairs in Washington, D.C. and around our country. But he also was a captain in the United States Navy. And he and his wife have written a book that you need to buy. It's a book called Love at First Sight. That means you love your country, you give to your country, you give to this planet, you work together, and there's sacrifice. There's rewards. But like I've always said at the end of my show, embrace your life every precious moment, but earth is whispering. Don't say goodbye. And I think that's what Stuart, Captain Orr and his family and his wife have done. They're not saying goodbye. They're joining the rest of the world to give you a story, and we're going to have them on the show today. I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research, and Biologic Aqua Research has two products. 
that we never very seldom mention the other one. We have Nature's Tears Eye Mist, which is the supplementation to the tear film before the air is not giving your eyes. Did you know your eyes are 98% water at the surface? When the eye drop touches the uh, water at the surface, it causes a dehydration. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is the only product worldwide that's a water treatment to supplement that air to take you with your everyday life and give it the thirst quenching it needs. But we have another one that heroes all over the world have said that we were, we were given an award for Washington, D.C. for having given thousands and thousands of units of our eye irrigation for our heroes to be able to use at the moment of a, dis- a compromise, of an emergency in the eye. It's called BioMedWash, which Dave Naylor became a part of us with years ago. BioMedWash is an eye irrigation that if you have a moment that you need to apply something at that moment in that emergency to be able to irrigate the eyes with tissue culture grade of water, there is no burning, no bur- stinging, and no blurring. It's out there by thousands and thousands of units to help everybody, our first responders. And today, not only having a tribute to Captain Orr and his family and to Dave Naylor and all those children of the world who are so heroic with us, we're going to also be thinking about our first responders, our linemen, and uh, all of those people all over the world who have given their lives for us to have the freedom of worship and prayer that we have, also with integrity, respect, and dignity, the freedoms. Just think about that today as we're talking to this beautiful couple and their love affair with each other. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Captain Orr. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. The book we're going to be discussing today is Love at First Sight. It is a powerful reminder about the real sacrifices that men and women in the armed services make every day for our lives, every day. And preserved, and they, to learn how they preserve their credible relationships and the war, and sacrifice that they make. 
They've been, this book has been, uh, credited by advanced praises by Senator John McCain, who is a friend of the Captain Orr's. Uh, he has been praised by Gene Cernan, who we have mentioned on this show many times because Gene said that when he looked back at Earth from the moon as an astronaut, that the God's, the Earth is God's porch. I believe that God is also in the water. We also, he has been also praised by um, Lawrence Garrett III, a former Secretary of NAMI. So now we'll introduce you to Captain Orr and Fran Orr, who are special guests here today. And we'll be calling him Buddy or Bud and Fran. Are you both with us? Hi, uh, Sharon. We're both here. You can call me Bud Stewart or Buddy. And Fran is here, too. And Fran, uh, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. I was excited to hear about what you two are doing, and I was fairly pleased that you could take some time out of your busy time. And I hear you've been doing book signing, and it's exciting. This is the first time you both have done a book together. That's right. And could we just make, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to bring this up, but we uh, the book is titled Love at First Flight because uh, it was flying and it brought us all together. Uh, you know, I apologize to you because I was saying, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've got a, a new, I, I've got a new novel for you. Love. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Love at First Flight. Yes. There you go. Yes, audience. Love at First Flight. And I'm thinking about you two having a love affair. For, they've been together for 37 years. So Bill and I are going to be together for 50 years this summer. So it's a love affair, but love at first light. Tell us, uh, buddy, uh, but why did you guys decide to have a, a book called uh, Love at First Light? Well, that's a good good question, Sharon. We, we uh, originally wrote the book. I, I had had some very challenging and exciting flying in uh, 27 years flying off of aircraft carriers and uh, so I, I wrote the uh, we wrote uh, uh, an encapsulation of flying stories and we were going to call it cheating death because there were so many uh, close calls with death but we spoke with our agent in New York and he explained first of all that 76% of all books uh, purchased are purchased by women and he Karen he looked at the historical significance and uh, that we are that uh, prodigy of World War II generation and Bud's unique flying career, he thought, let's combine his flying with my very um, dysfunctional and uh, very difficult beginnings and combine those two to make a more interesting um, story. To include our... Courtship. Well, it was a very wise thing because the first thing I thought of when I read about your book was uh, the fact that we we uh, on this planet don't realize, but what you're doing out there and your training and what you do go when you go in to protect us from the world out there to make sure that we're all able to have our freedoms. And then you're also bringing out a story about what our families are going through. Uh, while you're out there being, you've been highly trained, but has the family gone through boot camp, really? Good, and good so uh, I like that, and that's why I call this your love affair. But then also, uh, you both come from backgrounds that came together uh, that makes this very exciting. And I hope that everybody that's a first responder, everybody that's out there that has not understood what what is happening in our world to give us make it possible 
for us to live our lives the way we're trying to live them every day. Now, um, but you, you're, you're what you did. You were trained in the Navy. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about your training and why did you choose to go on uh, air flights that were combat air flights, like in Vietnam and around the world. Well, the history of it, Sharon, was, and, and folks who are listening, I was raised in a very small town in Oregon, Grants Pass, where Sharon and, and her brother, Ron Cowan, who was one of my very best friends, and we lost years ago to uh, medical problems. But uh, it, uh, And this is how Sharon and I came together. But my father was a, uh, was a child of World War II and the Depression and, and really didn't share much. But one day after getting out of school in junior high, I think it was, I'd seen a movie on military flying, and I told my father when he picked me up after sports that I thought I wanted to be a military pilot. And he stopped the car and he looked over his shoulder and he says, Buddy, if you want to be a military pilot, be a Navy pilot. They are the best in the world because they land on aircraft carriers. And that was the only guidance he ever gave me <laughs> in my life. So I went to college, graduated, went in the Navy and went to flight school. And Vietnam was going on, so there I was in the middle of a war and doing what I really wanted to do because my father said they're the best, and we are. Sure, well, I'm and, uh, <laughs> and and Ron, and my brother Ron was a marine. <laughs> and by the way, I had that on Quantico and a great marine military bases. What? Jen, when uh, all of the stories that are in the book, we keep hearing people say, why didn't we share such and such? And listening to you at the beginning of the show, Bud was telling me, he said, you know, when I flew in Vietnam, and I'll let him interrupt me, they had a choice of are they going to carry a gun or not, and well, here's what he this, did. This is, your, your introduction is striking for several reasons, because my relationship with water, as you know, Sharon, because you live on the Rogue River, some of my fondest memories are fly fishing with my father, not uh, talking, but fly fishing on your Rogue River. Second, yeah. I spent half my life on aircraft carriers in the middle of the in ocean. the water. So I've been surrounded with water most of my life. But most significantly, when we were flying in Vietnam in single-seat fighters, you, only, you had ejection seats that you take your body weight and everything you carry on you, and that's all, and there was a right. maximum weight you could have. You're, there the on a, you're, on, you're in your own orbit. Yeah, exactly, in our own orbit. Most of my friends carried pistols and bandoleros of bullets and and loaded up with weight. I chose, Sharon, to carry extra water because I figured if I got shot down, if I had a gun, I'd probably shoot the wrong guy and I'd be a prisoner of war. If I didn't have a gun and I had water, I could survive longer and probably escape. You're right. They've proven that over and over again. <laughs> Why were you smart? <laughs> but real quickly now, tell our audience about when you were trained to fly, and uh, we'll get back into the uh, the books, uh, what you did here in the book, but when you were trained to fly, you were one of those pilots that did circles. You came in upside down. Tell them, tell them about some of the, what was it called? <laughs> well, circles and upside down. Yes, we do that. We we all do acrobatics as part of our training. Acrobatics. <laughs> now tell our audience though. What Blue was your? You were with my last very well known, Navy, which is really uh, upside down and backwards. But uh, yeah. <laughs> training was mainly oriented to learning to fly simple aircraft propellers, and our first jet, and then our most sophisticated jets, and then uh, in the end, I was flying 
the most uh, sophisticated jets in the Navy, the Tomcat F-14 and the F-A-18. But I did play a unique airplane that was brought into the United States in the early 70s. It's called the AV-8A Harrier. It takes a, it's, a, it's a fighter airplane that was built in England in a single-seat fighter and a very powerful engine, and it takes off uh, like a helicopter and, and uh, transitions out to a high-speed uh, uh, b- bomber fighter. And, wow. uh, but it was, it, it was so transitional and so new and built in England that the aerodynamics of it were very challenging, and, and it was very, very dangerous. They, we flew it for the first 10 of us in the country, flew it for three years and lost one airplane, and in the next uh, 10 years, they lost 37 aircraft to aircraft accidents because the pilots were 57 aircraft. I'm sorry, in the next 10 years, because the pilots really didn't understand the aerodynamics and the criticality of the airplane. So that was an exciting time in my life to fly that. You know, uh, the first thing I thought of when I think about the show today, I was thinking, you know, you think about Gene Cernan and the astronauts, and we've had a member of NASA on the show, and you think about these people going off into space and co- going to explore for what they need to do for research. And a lot of people, buddy, think that when they do these things, well, it's an excitement and maybe we all get to go on a vacation to the moon or to Mars. They're going there to do research. When you were flying, did you ever stop to think about the amazing miracle that that plane can be it can be in the air and it wasn't flying away like Mary Poppins that you were able to do some controls with those instruments that are amazing breakthroughs and discovery well i did and every and i'm i'm i've not been known to be a spiritual person i've become more lately but there are times when you're flying airplanes like one time i i was by myself uh halfway across the united states in a fighter and you've all seen rainbows, but I doubt you ever seen one surround your airplane, a complete oh. circle. It was it was a magic, and my, my radios would not transmit. It was like I'd gone to heaven, a beautiful, oh. striking rainbow and a circle around my airplane that brings tears to my eyes. Oh, yes. That makes you that makes you believe that you're a very special, lucky person to be part of flight. Exactly. We're living in a very special a uh, special place uh, there. Now, Fran, tell me about your in the book. Your help with the book, and you have you written other books? I began by writing children's stories. Oh, wow! I try uh, my children's stories. I've had two published, and uh, I I base them on just life experience and try and keep you know the moral value there, American uh, patriotism, and uh, that's where my heart is. And uh, one is based on we, our youngest daughter served in the Army. And it's mm-hmm. a success story in that uh, there's a progression in life, and, and we get educated, and, uh, and hopefully there's a point that you meet that special someone, and, and, and if you're blessed, then you have children. So um, I, my... Uh, the illustrator, because I write preschool to uh, the eight-year-olds. Um, uh-huh. I my illustrator is a Disney illustrator, which really brings the stories to life. Oh yes, yes. I just always uh, envy people who have time to do that because I've always wanted to get involved more. 
than what I or well what I'm doing. I'm very gratified, and I will do forever uh, in research. But back to the children's books, uh, you know, Fran, you are amazing because children really love to have somebody uh, write books so they can have somebody read them or they can read their books. Uh, to reach out to the children of our world is you're a hero. Because those children need it badly today. They're depending too much on television. They're depending upon too much on something in the palm of their hand. And uh, I truly believe that turning the pages on the book and having somebody read the story to them when they're growing up, or little little ones, even if they don't understand it, is so amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you now, in participating in writing Bud's first the book, you you are a hero because you are 37 years married to a man who decided to make his whole career, all of his life, as a patriot for his country and to be all over the world. Tell us some of your experiences when uh, Captain Orr was gone and you were you were home and you were raising your family and some of the things that families go through that people forget that there's yes uh, there's what an individual who goes through boot camp and they become a, a soldier for us but the family are soldiers too tell, tell us about your experiences well the friendships that were established during his Navy career are with us today it, at the time that Bud served remember we didn't have emails uh, we couldn't, we didn't have cell phones. We wrote a letter, and if we were lucky, he got the letter within two weeks. And you know, the car breaks down, the washing machine doesn't work, one of the children's sick with the flu. By the time he gets the letter, all of those problems are resolved. Right. So, thought you had to have a really strong support system between the families. And as the Skipper's wife or the CEO's wife or commanding officer's wife, you you worked very hard to establish those support systems. I always had wonderful wives that were very participatory. Um, I was very fortunate. We were close. We would do projects. We would do projects with the children so that they can send things to their mm-hmm. fathers, uh, mm-hmm. uh, trying to make their holidays because they were very often that they were gone during Christmas or during Thanksgiving. And um, we tried... And you had a lot of your experiences with the Vietnam War when our country uh, did what they promised when uh, President Kennedy uh, signed a document saying that we would protect Vietnam. And our troops went off to protect Vietnam. And you were... That's what, now, did you... Were, uh, you two... Uh, how did you two meet? Um, because you two were really experienced of one of the uh, one of the wars of our lives. I've often wondered why people didn't respect what was going on to protect Vietnam and look at their lives today. But my brother said when he went into the Marines, uh, I was so fortunate as a sister because Ron and I were really close. Uh, he said, you know, Sharon, I'm doing something I believe. These people would never know the difference if we didn't go there to help them. So he believed in it. He was, he was very, uh, he was in an ambush and, and had bullets in him and shrapnel. Almost didn't live, but he did live. He came back all in one piece, uh, a couple of months later and stayed in the Marines, loved the Marines for what the military does to help other people, uh, in a capacity that they're going about their everyday lives, but needs somebody out there to protect our lives. 
So you two experienced Vietnam. And Fran, how did you handle that? Because that was tough. Yeah, Sharon, we talked about uh, backtracking and interrupting. Let, let me go back uh, just a minute to um, um, the, the heroes. And I, I, we, we got right into Fran and I, and I want to thank you for hosting a program that, that, uh, that supports water, but also you're deviating a little away in an opportunity to share with the veterans. And Fran and I just... Uh, did a book signing out at the uh, no at the hospital at the oh, uh, Bethesda. Bethesda hospital and it, it, and we had it, it was shocking Sharon because we sat out in the hallway at, at Bethesda where oh. every person coming by was in a wheelchair with no mm-hmm. limbs their wife right. walking with them and they're running around it. and it made me so grateful that that uh, we have wounded warriors we have people like you who are bringing to the attention of the country through media, through radio talk shows like this, to remember that those guys are wheeling around in wheelchairs. One guy, one young man went by with no hands, running his electric wheelchair at the start of his wrist, one leg gone, and his wife walking along with him like they were strolling in a park. And programs like this, we have the opportunity to remind people that people like Ron Cowan shot up and survived, and people like this who are, are wheeling around in wheelchairs have done it out of patriotism, and they deserve the support and respect of the country that you're addressing And today. something Thanks. else uh, for both of you to realize, where else in the world do you go when there's a volunteer military soldiers volunteering? It's like they volunteered to be a firefighter, volunteering to be a paramedic, volunteering to be a police officer, volunteering to be a lineman. When People always forget about the lineman who comes in on top of those poles and during bad weather to make sure we have what we need and uh, the clergy around the world to know that they're vol- this is out of the United States. We have a volunteer military service, and these people volunteered, and it's how courageous now, back to uh, the book. Uh, the point of the book was the fact, love at first flight. Um, now, you decided to call it at that. Is that because you love to fly and you both fell in love at the first flight? <laughs> uh, but Actually, back to you two and your book. I uh, decided that love at first flight would be a good name for it because okay. it reflected on our love and romance and relationship and and, and for And for me... Uh, I met Bud on a blind date, and and you know his personality. He actually sent his chief over to with a. He gave me a single red rose and uh, to give it to me and to say that he was looking forward to the evening. But really, what he was doing was checking me out because if the chief had come back and said, "I don't know what." then he might not have shown up. But for me, it, the book could be titled Love at First Sight because I did <laughs> fall in love with this amazing man, and he truly is. And and uh, it was a wonderful evening, and he began by telling me stories. And I was captured just from the beginning. So um, now, all you were, was you not easy to... and all did not go perfectly because if you've... You know, ventured into the book that you know that I ended up. I he was in California and I was in Virginia Beach, and I ended up selling my home. I sold my business, which was very successful, 
and travel 3,000 miles with my young daughters for uh, planning our wedding. Invitations are printed, Sharon. Bought a home. home, And he came home one evening and said he just was not ready to get married and he would be leaving on cruise. And he did. <laughs> okay, we're talking about the flight. Right here we go. <laughs> it was it was something. That's the and, but I believed that the wow. chemistry between now, okay, us would prevail. I also between? understood he was taking. Fran, how on, long did it take you? How long did it take for him to finally get off his flight and you two got together? <laughs> well, actually, uh, what Fran was getting at there, she she. I uh, understood that I was taking on the responsibility of her two young daughters and then still groping with the fact that I would not be able to raise my own son. And so I got on the aircraft carrier Enterprise and sailed off to the the uh, the uh, Western Pacific, and we were in the Philippines uh, ready to go to Australia. Buddy, I'm going to I'm going to ask for a moment. We're going to have to take a break for. Okay, go ahead. For a commercial, don't you two go away. I'm anxious to hear this story because this is in the book. Uh, We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Miss, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Just before our moment of break there, you started to tell us, um, Bud, uh, about uh, the fact that you decided when you went uh, off on your flight... Uh, that uh, you had something begin to change your life, let's say. <laughs> Fran, did I do that okay? <laughs> you did it very well. Actually, I, I wasn't. We, we left Alameda in San Francisco on the carrier Enterprise and sailed to the Western Pacific, and I, and and I was flying all the way, but I was really sailing away from her on an aircraft carrier that wouldn't be home for six months. So, when we were in the Philippines. On our way to, ready to go to Hobart, Tasmania, Australia, uh, the captain of the ship had become good friends with Fran and I because she had flown out from Virginia Beach to attend a, a number of the functions when we were in port in San Diego. And as uh, Fran's a lovely lady, and the captain became very fond of her, and we were good friends. So through him, 
uh, we, he called me up to the bridge. He said, Bud, why don't you have Fran fly out here to the Philippines, and I'll marry you two. Uh, I'll give her away, and you can get married on the Enterprise when we get back from Australia. So that's what happened. He, wow. he facilitated our marriage. It was on the 15th anniversary of, Med, of the Enterprise and on Thanksgiving Day, and oh. that was our wedding. Oh, congratulations on that. Wow. So I recovered. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Well, that is, now, now uh, in the book, uh, with uh, people from all backgrounds uh, finding this a very patriotic book, but also a love affair book. Uh, Fran, tell us to the women out there, and we, we're on Apple iTunes, too. Uh, we're all over the place. Uh, tell the women out there, what when you're married to someone who made their passion uh, their uh, career, and their everyday uh, life, uh, being in the military as a, as a warrior. Uh, what went to your mind through the years? Because uh, you became a soldier with a soldier. You had to become one. And it's interesting, um, you know, when you fall in love with the aviators or you fall in love with your military hero, you have no idea or no understanding of the loneliness or the hardships and what long sex the impact they'll have on you. It's not natural, but what can you do? You've fallen in love. Right. And, and you grow and you learn. And you learn that you want to be around happy people, cheerful people, supportive people. And you want to keep learning. You go to school, take classes. He's going to be gone. Use that time wisely. Mm-hmm. Gonna cry, right? You you mm-hmm. cry and and you get over it, mm-hmm. and um, you tell the person that you love that you love them, and you tell them often. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, now, also, Bud, tell us about your. You have a uh, one of your uh, uh, people who have endorsed your book is uh, John McCain. Uh, who was in the military, too. Now, how did you get to know John McCain? Well, I I didn't realize that John McCain was going to be a famous senator when he rode in the backseat of my airplane as my <laughs> instructor in Meridian, Mississippi, flying out of McCain Field, named after his grandfather in 1965. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's a, he was prematurely gray and a wiry little guy then, and he used to scream and yell at me and jack, jerk the plane out of my head. I mean, jerk the stick, and, and then he'd come down and be very calm. He'd say, but you did this right and that right. So anyway, we had created a friendship uh, that had sustained over the years. He was a prisoner of war for seven years, yeah. as you know, and came back. And uh, when I my last tour in the Navy, I served in legislative affairs, and I ran Senate liaison for the Navy. And my job was to travel around the world with senators and I traveled uh, a lot with John McCain and also mm-hmm. John Kerry, our second, uh, our, our present uh, Secretary of State, Sharon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, also, you got a relationship with uh, Captain Gene Cernan, who I bring up a lot in my commentary because he said that Earth is God's porch, that when the last time he was on the moon, he'd look back at Earth and thinking, what a miracle. Uh, this is all, you know, and I've always said, Everywhere I go, isn't it a miracle? Earth has the water, and that water, that fresh water, has to influence the rest of the universe. Um, so, how did you get to know uh, Captain Cernan? Well, um, Kingsville, Texas, is where Advanced Navy Flight Training is, 
And uh, my best friend in the Navy, uh, Mike Bowman, ended up being a three-star admiral, and he commanded the Navy flight training program in in Kingsville. And the King Ranch is right there, and a huge ranch, which I'm sure most people know about, a very wealthy King family, and they share their properties with military people. And Mike Bowman got to know the family, and he was very familiar with Gene Cernan, and so we'd go dove hunting on the King Ranch, and it was like hunting with a disciple to be out with Gene Cernan. He was such <laughs> how could you believe he was walking on the moon and then trotting through the, the, the fields hunting doves with you, and, uh, and what an honor to know him, just a kind, wonderful man, as you know him too, uh, Shannon. Well, I got familiar with him uh, through uh, things that I've done. I have never been so privileged to meet him. Um, uh, now, also, uh, you've had um, on here, you've got Dave Barnanek, author of Top Gun. And as soon as you were telling us about this one plane you were flying that just lifted like a helicopter, all I could think about is Top Gun. <laughs> well, Top Gun is, uh, has been widely publicized because of the movie and Tom Cruise and Right, and, and if I looked like him, I'd probably been in the movie too. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm taller. <laughs> yeah, but that plane—that plane lifted up like uh, the planes we saw in Top Gun. Uh, oh yeah, well the the, the planes in Top now it took off straight up, but the planes in Top Gun were just—they were not stovel or take off vertically. But uh, mm-hmm. Dave Baronic was an instructor in the in Top Gun and wrote that story, uh, Top Gun, uh, what's okay. it, Top Gun Days. And he's a good friend of ours. He was a uh, he was a student in uh, a squadron that I commanded. And then when I was commanding officer on the Constellation, I watched him eject out of an airplane, out of an F-14 Tomcat from the tower. And that's one of his stories in his book called Top Gun Days, and a story in our book uh, Tower called Flower. Tower Flower. So we, we share that. In fact, we were sharing a a table at a book signing out at uh, the. Um, Smithsonian? Smithsonian Museum yesterday. Okay, okay. Now and I want to uh, tell you. I know we're going to run out of time here, but I do want to tell a a story out of our book, if I might, that really uh, you'll appreciate about water. I was flying the Harrier, which is a it is the airplane that takes off straight up, but it normally takes off like a regular airplane, and we're in very short distance, and we're on a small carrier operating very near the polar ice cap on testing operations for cold weather operations for that airplane. And I was scheduled with my wingman to launch before dawn in our Harriers and go find the polar ice cap because we didn't know where it was. It moves around, and the ship was getting close to it. So they launched us off at before sunrise. We flew about 40 minutes, about 300 miles, and the sun came up over the polar ice cap the most radiant red-orange color I've ever seen in my life, and all of a sudden illuminating the polar ice cap about 20 miles ahead of us, and it looked like a giant uh, jigsaw puzzle because the ice cap moves, and as it moves, it breaks up and it reformates into these shapes just like a jigsaw puzzle. I'll be done. Oh, how? Oh, that so we had done our mission. We radioed back to the ship and said what the latitude and longitude of the ice cap was, and on the way back, I spotted... a. Uh, an iceberg below us, which was bobbing in the in the North Atlantic Sea, and we we were taken with it, and we swooped down in our airplanes, and we dropped our nozzles, which means we slowed down, and this had 
if you can picture a, a molar that you've had pulled and the cuspid at the bottom, like in your hand, and then these three pillars, like like the tongues of your of your tooth, this was the ice caps floating in this green water, and these three large pillars, 70, 80 feet, and we went and hovered in inside of the pillars. And I took a picture of his airplane with my recce camera. Regrettably, it was was black and white. But Sharon, the, another another uh, spiritual experience. The center of this iceberg had the most magnificent turquoise water in it, oh sloshing God. around in this frozen iceberg in the middle of the sea of the of the North Atlantic. A sight that nobody could ever see. Nobody could ever hover inside of an iceberg, and we got to see this emerald an emerald of water sloshing around in freezing water. Oh, how gorgeous. You know, how, you know, how, you know, this is something with this aerobatic type of flying that you guys learned to do. You, you probably, you probably saw a lot of things that you didn't tell everybody you saw. <laughs> Those were two of the most special sights I've ever seen. In oh, how gorgeous. That we fly how, oh, I'm jealous. As a <laughs> I have to tell you real quickly, though, both of you, when I was growing up, I was afraid of heights. And uh, one time, and you'll know this, anybody who's ever been to the Oregon and to the Morrison Street Bridge, well, I was always afraid of heights, but in, in, and uh, Ron got a kick out of that, my brother and his friends. And so one time we were crossing the bridge in Portland, and they just dedicated the Morrison Street Bridge, and it had girders in the middle. And uh, because I was so afraid of heights, Ron pushed me off the sidewalk, and I was standing on those girders. Oh. So, <laughs> and I'm looking down, and I don't, I don't even know how to scream, but I scream bloody murder. And they stopped everybody on the bridge. They couldn't figure out what happened. <laughs> And uh, all of a sudden, this police officer came and got me. I couldn't even move, and Ron, Ron had no idea that it would be that kind of a, a drama. <laughs> so what you've done today to explain to us what you just did there, <laughs> but uh, I think a lot of people. I'm not. Fly, I have flown all over. I've been around the world now in fl- uh, flights. I don't even think about it, but it, it, uh, when I think back on being afraid of heights and then you coming, this person coming down into this area of the Antarctic, uh, or the pole there, um, and then all. But now let's go back to your book. Uh, Fran, tell me what you think women, especially reading your book, are going to get out of the book. Well, <clears throat> women, all women will love the story of a bad boy tame by the love of a good woman. But uh, the men in it, they will appear fearless. They have multiple faults. They can laugh at themselves. Some have endured um, failed marriages, others multiple romances. And <laughs> there's that element of that man searching for that uh-huh. relationship that will ultimately work. And... Uh, it's it's a book of daring and courage and the daily challenges that are faced by carrier pilots but also the challenges that are faced by by the families we don't leave the families out and mm-hmm. it, there is one chapter in the book that i think all families will relate to when the men are on cruise and we're doing uh, a garage sale at our home and it's over, and we're rounding up the children. I look in the backyard, and I said, oh, one of the children threw a doll in the pool. 
Well, it wasn't a doll. It was a child. And Ah. it was early March. I dove in. Fortunately, one of the wives was a nurse and administered CPR. And uh, fortunately, things worked out well. And the relationship between, you can imagine, that family and us today, the bonds are just Mm -hmm. unbreakable. And again, there was the evolution of Imagine contacting the, I had to contact the commanding officer of the base, the, then he radios to the ship to tell Bud, and, and you know, immediately we didn't know if the child would be okay. Mm-hmm. But today, someone would have photographed it on a, you know, on their iPhone, and it would have been to the ship immediately. Um but the bonds between the military families are just—they're just not breakable. I have to tell you, when uh, Dave Naylor, who was—I uh, don't know if you've ever heard of a Ramsco bud, but it was one of the top number one emergency first aid and disaster companies in the country that he—that um, Dave uh, Naylor was the founder of. He just passed away a week ago, very close to our family, and he invited us to go to Quantico a special guest with him and a Ramsco for three days. And I had an experience beyond all imagination with all the soldiers and the troops and the fighter pilots flying in for this big three-day, very uh, confidential-type meeting going on with products that are available, new things to learn uh, for the soldiers. And uh, they, uh, the, the absolutely exciting, uh, what's the word I want to, the excellent, appreciation to us for being there. Uh, they had a speaker above us bringing people over to learn more about eye irrigation that we had. Uh, when 9-11 happened, but uh, Homeland Security wanted our company to come up with something for a new eye irrigation because what happened in the 9-11 when the Twin Towers were attacked, people couldn't see because of the fumes and the smoke and, and all that was happening. And their eyes were affected, and they couldn't see to get out. And a lot of those people you saw jumping out of the window, they, cut, they really probably thought that was a door. So they asked us if we would bring an uh, event uh, like we had with Nature Sears Eye Mist, a product that could be irrigation this time to irrigate. And you can often think about when you were flying or something would compromise your eyes. What did you use to, for the eyes to uh, help them? So we invented uh, BioMedWash for the eyes, and we were there for that. And they could not believe uh, that no one had ever in the military had anything uh, for their eyes before that wouldn't burn or sting or blur or cause a, an effect where you couldn't protect yourself if you used a product with it cause the blurring. So I know how the military, we've been in a lot of military bases throughout the country, and um, the troops, um, our warriors, our soldiers, and their families have just been wonderful. So I know what you're saying, and I'm really hoping that everybody, that uh, not just military, but individuals read your book about what is happening uh, in our uh, on our lives on this planet. You know, you talk about, Fran, unconditional love is what I was hearing. And when there's an un- when there is a love, and it becomes unconditional. In other words, don't don't put so much conditions on it. Uh, it's nice to be uh, you know to be tough and rough, and and women today have gotten so much more. Uh, oh, I'm going to be more like the guys. But you know, I have to be honest, upfront with you. Unconditional love 
is uh, is what makes the world go around. And it's also the loyalty to your state, your city, your country, and to this planet. So what you were describing today was what the warriors and all their wives and their families have come through together, unconditional, for all of us to be able to live our lives the way we're living them today. And who knows how many, many, many years that will go on. We don't know, but we have to work at it. Now, before we go, um, I wanted to ask both of you, where can they find your book? Um, they can go to our website, which is www.orsaway.com. Or they can go to, and then we can, with going to our website, we can sign, you know, send them an autographed copy. And um, they pay through PayPal, I believe, on that. And we're also on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble, Sony, iBooks. And we're also available in the e-book. But if they want the signed copy, they go through our website. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, before we go real quickly, tell us about your family. Uh, how many children do you both have? We have three wonderful children mm-hmm. and six perfect grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Hopefully well, in fact, friend, I, 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 one of these days when I don't have to sit behind a desk and running a company, I'd like to write a book. There is no, every child is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as an un- and there's no such thing as an imperfect child. And every time <laughs> I say that, they always smile at me. But uh, that we live for the children of the world, and thanks to those warriors, they get to grow up and and live on this earth. Uh, well, we're almost out of time. What was the la- What do you both like to say to the audience? Uh, you've got one minute left. I, well, I want to thank you again, Sharon, and the audience for. Uh, listening because this is a dedication to our warriors and the people who are supporting the things that the United States stands for and we and it's getting harder and harder for them all the time and they need your support and and I would just say Sharon I fully believe that we all have stories to share and I encourage everyone to share that story because of my childhood all the memories of about my father and uncles who served in World War II, they're just they're lost forever. And I don't want that to happen. And that's part of the reason this book came about. And we met a World War II nurse yesterday who helped people uh, leave the concentration camps. And I said to her daughter, please record some of those stories. Oh, yes. Don't be lost. Yes. Well, Thank my you father for your was company in World War II in the Army for three I years. Was, so. uh, Sharon, I know in, in 9-11, I know for a fact what you said. I, I've read people were blinded, and if you can create something that if you have created something very important there, and I thank you for that, your company. Well, thank you. Uh, we're dedicated to what, what we're, all of us are dedicated, and that's what makes it so exciting about this world. And Gene Cernan said it, we're living on God's porch. I truly believe that. Yes, ma'am. God's water. Okay, well, both of you, thank you. Tell your family hello, and if you ever get to Grants Pass, Oregon, you come and see us. We will, and we'll be thinking of your brother who's listening to this as well. I know he is. Thank you so much, and God bless. Bye. Bye. You have a nice day. Bye-bye. 
Wow, what a what a show! Um, both of them having written a book about love at first flight and what our warriors are going through and their wives and and what's going on on this. I call it the whole planet because, as you've known, audience, our our soldiers, our people, whether it be the Peace Corps, which organization goes in after a disaster or before the disaster uh, to help our all individuals all over the world. Our, our country here in America has gone all over the world and sacrificed their lives and money and time and energy to help others be, have a better place to live. And, and I've always said for on this show forever that Earth is a special place, and I'm never going to stop saying it. And without the water, though, that fresh water, you won't have a place. So we need a priority. We need to start thinking about that. And I saw a movie over the weekend called Salmon Fishing in Yemen. I really recommend that. It's a very exciting movie about uh, in Yemen. You know, they've been fight, uh, fighting over wars, uh, wars over water for years, for thousands of years. Go see Salmon Fishing in Yemen. You will love it. It concerns water and salmon fishing, which we have here on the Rogue River. Right in front of me, they catch 70-pound salmon. What a magic this earth is. I want to thank you for listening. Embrace your life every precious moment. But earth does whisper, never say goodbye. Give of yourself while you're here, and you will be here forever. I want to thank you for listening, and today in the memory of Captain Orr and his family, all the warriors, and, and for our special friend, Dave Naylor, and my brother, Ron Cowan, who served in the Marine Corps for years and was um, an economist and also passed away 10 years ago, but he loved his Marine Corps side. You have a nice day. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 